Hi, this is Richard Benjamin, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Our next guest is one of those rare talents who has something to say and can say it funny. He's a writer-performer on the new Laugh-In and one of the most popular, outspoken, and entertaining personalities on the local news here in Los Angeles. He's won a half a dozen Emmys as a film critic and host of his own shows. Let's welcome Mr. John Barber, right over there. But Robertson along with guest John Barber. John Barber, five-time Emmy Award-winning critic at large, longtime film critic for Los Angeles Magazine, and the creator, principal writer, producer, and one of the original hosts of NBC's Real People. John is joining us via Skype today. His memoir, Your Mother's Not a Virgin, The Bumpy Life and Times of the Canadian Dropout Who Changed the Face of American TV, is available through trineday.com, amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. You can watch John's documentary on Ernie Kovacs, as well as the Garrison Tapes, and several clips of John's interviews with celebrities throughout the years at John's YouTube channel, John Barber's World, at YouTube, John's website, johnbarbersworld.com. John mentioned the Barber Report, the national late-night talk show that he hosted for ABC in the spring of 1986. John hosted several other talk shows throughout his career. More often than not, his first guest on each of those shows was usually Harlan Ellison. John has a great story about his unlikely friendship with Harlan Ellison. We'll talk about that later on in this segment, but first, two things, John. I'm from San Francisco, so I I personally loved all the stories about North Beach, about the Hungry Eye, about... In fact, you mentioned that Sarita's uh, parents live near Harding Park Golf Course. That's near Lake Merced. Yeah. My father, yeah. my father used to take us fishing on Lake Merced. You know, when we were kids. So that's... the San Francisco parts of your story. That's one of the things that that attracted me personally. Plus, all the great stories about some of the great comics that you met while you were performing in San Francisco, including people like Pat Morita, who sought advice uh-huh. from you. Oh, that's funny that you mentioned his name. I have to sort of quickly tell you this story. We may not this, have time. This, this is the John Barber show. You take your time. My second job as a professional stand-up comic was at the Hungry Eye, which was the birthplace of Mort Saul, first of all, and then Jonathan Winters and the Smothers Brothers, and, and played a major role in Barbara uh, uh, Streisand's career. And I was booked in there in September of 1963. And my act was political. I talked to him because I had no identity. You know, when I started as a comic, I, I wanted to do it because my idol was Jack Parr. Jack Parr not only was the best host ever of all of them combined, Carson and whoever else did the show, all of them combined don't come up to Jack Parr because Jack Parr had a quality that none of them had especially Johnny Carson. I mean, Jack Parr was funny in his monologue. Johnny Carson was funny in his monologue, but that's where it stopped. After that, Jack Parr was an interested and interesting human being. And he was interesting because he was interested in everything. Carson was interested in nothing except keeping the job, which he did. Great stories about him in the book. Anyway, uh, having no real identity, and having loved every single comic, but I couldn't imitate them. They were unique. I was not unique. Yeah, you had, to, only, you had to find your piece of ground as a performer. That's right. And the only thing I could think of was that I'm from Canada, 
and I've come to the United States, I the only thing I can do is compare the two cultures, which I did very, very successfully. I became a success almost immediately. So anyway, my second professional job, and I have a lot of Kennedy material, which people loved, was at the uh, at the Hungry Eye, September of 63. And the uh, owner was so impressed by the material, he told Sarita, the, the owner's name was Enrico Banducci. He owned the most of North Beach, yes. billiard halls and restaurants and stuff like that, twice Sarita's age, desperate to marry Sarita. That's who he wanted to marry. In any event, she said, uh, you know, this John Barber's a wonderful writer. And then uh, uh, he said, well, yeah, he's a great writer, but he's a lousy performer. I mean, he just stands up there and talks. And she said, well, you got to bring him back. So he booked me to come back the last week in November. So the last week in November is a few days after John Kennedy mm -hmm. is killed. Anyway, when I'm there, I'm the opening act for a black girl singer named Amanda Ambrose. A lot of people won't know who she is, but she was the very first black African-American singer to perform African folk songs, to wear her hair naturally on stage, and she wore what they call a dashiki. God, this is years and years ago, and how can I remember these words? But that's what she called it. It was traditional African garb from her tribe called the dashiki. She got off stage every single night in tears because in that so-called liberal city, people were hollering insults at her. Yeah. The N-word, her dress, her hair. And then one day she comes in to my dressing room, and now tears are really rolling down her face. Oh, my God. She's just literally sobbing. And then I said, oh, my God, Amanda, what's wrong? And then she holds up her hand like this. She said, look at this. I said, look at what? She said, look at this. I said, what's that? She says, that's a ring. And I said, well, why should I look at that? She said, that's an authentic emerald. And I said, what? She says, that's an emerald. I said, well, why are you crying? What happened? She says, Enrico's friend, Sarita, came up to me after the show and said a lot of us in San Francisco appreciate your artistry, appreciate what you're doing, and want you to know how much we appreciate it. We got together and we got a, a collection to buy you this emerald ring. And you know, for me, as this growing up orphan kid, my favorite love story ever was A Place in the Sun mm -hmm. with Liz Taylor and Montgomery and Cliff. Cliff. Mm -hmm. And I pictured myself Monty Clift that someday I'm going to meet this gorgeous brunette who's rich and I'm going to get married and I won't have to stress anymore. And uh, I said to her, Sarita, you mean the one that's always with uh, Enrico at the bar? She said, yeah. And I said to her, do you think you'd arrange for me to meet her? She said, yes. So anyway, she walks out across the floor. Now, the floor was like a huge chess table mm -hmm. all huge black and white squares it was really lush at the end of the bar there was sarita and there was enrico sitting together and then amanda walks up chats with sarita a little bit and i'm peeking around the corner and sarita looks over at me and there's not really a smile she just sort of stares at me and goes like that with everything. <laughs>
Well, I leap out there like I do hopscotch, yeah. like an idiot across the state. Anyway, I thank her for what she did there with her. I didn't know that she'd already spoken on my behalf. In any event, Enrico has to leave, and uh, Amanda has to leave, so Serena and I are left alone, and it's after the show, and I don't know what to say, so I asked her if she would mind going to dinner. And she said, well, I've got the perfect place that we can go. Where's that? She says, well, go up to Enrico's. Now, ordinarily, we, so should we go up to Enrico? When we cross the street, she puts her hand under my arm and touches me. Oh, my God. I went nuts. I got so stiff. And I mean all over. <laughs> I was so nervous. So anyway, we walk into Enrico's and they see Sarita and the place is jammed. There's no place to sit. Mater D comes over and says, uh, Sarita, we have a table over for you here. So we go and we sit down at the table. And I sit opposite her. I didn't want to sit next to her because right. I want to look at her. Right. She looked like Jennifer Jones. God, she was beautiful. Anyway, while we're sitting there, this guy in a suit comes over, young Japanese-American guy, and, in, and says, introduces himself. He says, Mr. Barber. And I said, yes. He says, my name is Pat Morita. I go to the hungry eye all the time to see every comic. You're the only one I've come back to see two or three times. You just, I love your material. You're really good. And he says, uh, I'm a struggling comic. So I said, what do you, when you're not struggling, Pat, what do you do? He said, well, I'm an IBM key punch operator. That's why I wear the suit. And uh, he said to me, if you're in town next year, day or two, would you please come to a comedy club and watch me? And I said, no, I got, I got to get home. I haven't got, I haven't got time to do that. And uh, he said, well, when could I see you again? And how could you ever see me perform? And I said, uh, listen, Pat, I don't give advice to anybody. I never give advice. I'm not qualified to give advice. I mean, you've seen great comics; they'll give you advice. I do not do that. He said, but I'd love you to see me. I said, I'll tell you what. And before I could finish, Sarita said, sit down. So she invites him to sit down. I'm really upset because I don't have her to myself. Right. She's so sweet to him. So she says to me, is there anything you can say to him to make him feel better? So I said, Pat, I'll tell you what. Do your act here. He said, what? I said, do your act here. You know, the act that you do. He said, it's, there's nobody here. I said, I'm here, okay? And I write jokes alone, and I know if they're funny, if they're not funny, and I'll know if you're funny or not funny, okay? So do your act. So he says, okay. And he straightens up, and he said, this Irishman and this Jew and this rabbi get on a bus. And I holler, what? <laughs> Hold it. He says, what? I said, that's your opening line? He said, yeah. I said, well, uh, is this bus in Tokyo? <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? He said, no, it's in San Francisco. I said, well, when did the Japanese get on the bus? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, hold it a second. You sound like Henny Youngman. You do not look like Henny Youngman. You look like a Japanese to me. Yeah. He said, nobody wants to hear a Japanese comic. I said, I do. I said, why do you think I go to see Dick Gregory or Red Fox or eventually yeah. Richard Pryor? Yeah. Any of these people. 
I want to hear what they have to say about America and their culture. I said, are your parents Japanese? He said, yes. I said, do they speak Japanese? Yes, they're Japanese. English is tough for them. I said, you have a whole act before you. He said, I have the foggiest idea what to say. I said, listen, just tell people there's a cultural difference between the two countries, your mother and father and, and, and you growing up in America. He said, what are you talking about? I said, just tell the audience that, first of all, in Japan, December only has 30 days. And he said, what are you talking about? There's no December 7th. <laughs> Well, people heard me and started to laugh. Yeah. And I said, you know, there's a movie out now with Susan Hayward. And it's called I Want to Live. Now, the story's about Lillian Ross, mm -hmm. this uh, alcoholic singer. And it's called I Want to Live. You can tell the audience that you rushed to see it because you thought it was a story about a Japanese kamikaze pilot who changed his mind on the way down. <laughs> so that's what he did. Yeah. He eventually developed a... Japanese act and a few years later he got on television and ended up getting a new job of course as a performer mm -hmm. getting a new wife which he got rid of getting a new new house and then became a major star in those karate, karate kid, kid movies yeah there you go John Barber is with us via Skype John Barber stand-up comedian comedy writer five-time Emmy award-winning critic at large talk show host and the creator principal writer one of the producers and one of the original hosts of NBC's real people John's memoir your mother is not a virgin available in paperback and as an ebook through trineday.com, T-R-I-N-E-Day.com, as well as Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. John's website, johnbarbersworld.com, as well as the John Barber's World Channel on YouTube. There, there are several recurring themes in your book. That... You know what's interesting about that, Ed? It's like if you write a drama, you create what they call foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. That happens in the Sherlock Holmes novels. It happened a lot with uh, with uh, David Copperfield and Oliver Twist and all, all great writers foreshadow. There are so many things in my life that are foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. My accidentally seeing Sinatra when I'm 17 and then 30 years later, I'm his private writer for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. And all of these things happen to me. The day I stopped praying because... Uh, uh, when I was 12 years of age and then uh, 35 years later, I meet my kid, when my friend, when I go into the real people audience, and there he is. And he was my best friend as a kid. He used to take me to church with his friend. I mean, just these wonderful things. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt oh, you. Oh, that's, but... that's okay. But what, one of the recurring themes, uh, not only in Your Mother's Not a Virgin, but in your life. John, is that you have a knack of, of, of creating, in many cases, friendships with people that were originally antagonistic towards you. Harlan Ellison is one but example. Oh, yes. And the other, the other big one, and it's a monumentally interesting story in the book, is Bob Hope. Yes, exactly. I'm nodding my head. Okay, I can't tell that story, but I must tell you, if anybody wanted to see me dead, it was Bob Hope. <laughs> and he ended up 
I, I, I wish I could tell you the story. It is so good. I'm not stopping. And I'll tell the Harlan Ellison story because it happened very early in my career. And uh, it led to my very first show. Merv Griffin did this wonderful show on Westinghouse. Mm -hmm. He had, next to Jack Parr, the best talk show. Yeah. It was syndicated. When CBS signed him to do Late Night, he recommended me as his replacement to become the new Jack Parr right. or Johnny Carson, whatever, yeah. take over for him. And uh, they signed me at $600 a week while my wife was expecting our son. For 26 weeks, so I had a really nice income. And then they signed a couple of other people, and they had us all sit in one night for Merv Griffin. My ratings were so good, comparable to Griffin at his bed, because I did a stand-up at the top of the show. Nobody else could do that. So I was like Johnny Carson. I was like Jack Parr. And they used my ratings to negotiate David Frost's money down. That's why he got the show. And we'll pick up the story on the other side of the break. Our guest this hour is John Barber, five-time Emmy Award-winning talk show host, critic at large, and the creator, principal writer, and original host of Real People. We'll talk some more with John after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon gemstones of narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio, Incorporated. A peerless TV soundtrack archive, preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, Go to ATVAudio.com. One more. I don't want to tell you about ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN, the number one rated virtual private network, according to TechRadar. A lot of us are hunkered down right now. We're either working from home or we're just staying at home, waiting out the shelter-in-place order. That means a lot more of us are online right now. Unfortunately, that also means a lot more hackers are online right now, looking for ways to get your private information. But you could put your mind at ease by checking out ExpressVPN. It is the fastest, most secure, and easiest to use virtual private network service in the world. And you can try it right now for free by going to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash TV Confidential. tryexpressvpn.com forward slash TV Confidential. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. All it takes is just one click, and your device is protected. ExpressVPN secures your internet browsing and makes it anonymous by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. It also lets you surf the web safely without being snooped on by your ISP, the government, or hackers. Plus, ExpressVPN will protect your personal data, such as credit card information, 
account logins, and other sensitive data from being stolen. Go to tryexpressvpn.com forward slash TV Confidential for more information. ExpressVPN offers servers in 94 countries so you can access the internet from a wide variety of locations. Sign up for 12 months at tryexpressvpn.com forward slash TV Confidential. Sign up for 12 months and you will get an extra three months absolutely free. That'll bring down the total price to about seven bucks a month. And if you're not completely satisfied after one month, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit tryexpressvpn.com forward slash TV Confidential. tryexpressvpn.com forward slash TV Confidential for more information. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.